Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Amen. So you can open your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. So we're starting a series today called The Holy Spirit. A brief look at his power, so the Holy Spirit is powerful, and his ministry, so he does some things to us, his ministry, he does some things to us and for us, his ministry in our lives. And R.C. Sproul said this about the Holy Spirit, he said, the Holy Spirit is intangible and invisible, but his work is more powerful than the most ferocious wind. The Spirit brings order out of chaos and beauty out of ugliness. I think there's another slide. The Spirit changes people. Because the Spirit is mysterious, we must listen carefully to the Scriptures as it reveals to us the character of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, the way people take walks, and it feels like that's all we can do nowadays, right, is just go on walks. But the way people take walks, we are going to take a walk through the scriptures, a careful, nice walk, to see what the scriptures have to say about the Holy Spirit. And the title of the message you can see there is, Who is the Holy Spirit? That's the question we're going to try to answer. And my aim in the message is to show you the character and work of the Spirit. So I want us to have a good understanding of the character of the Spirit and his work so that there's a reason for it. I'm not just telling you just to tell you. There's a reason why I'm telling you this. It's for this reason. This is our big takeaway today. So that we would see that the Holy Spirit is worthy of our worship because of who he is. So he's worthy because of his character, who he is, and all that he does for you and for me. And so I said we're going to be in Acts 13. So just so you know, we're going to be moving around a little bit. This is one of those like kind of survey talks. So just be ready to move around in your Bible. For those of us who are, you know, got it in your hand, uh, you got sort of a physical copy, turn. And if you need to scroll, scroll. But Acts 13 says, now in the church at Antioch, there there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, Lucius, Menaean, a close friend of Herod, and Saul. And they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Here we see in this text that the Holy Spirit speaks. He gives clear direction. He says, I want this done. I want these, two, these brothers to go out and do ministry. Now the Holy Spirit speaks because he is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. John, John 16, 
This is Jesus speaking. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will speak, not of his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare what is to come. Notice the repeated. He. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He is not an it. He's a person. That's what the Bible tries to teach us. Someone who can be grieved. Someone who can be sinned against. He relates to us as a person. He does things to us and for us. And we should ask for his help, like a, like a teacher with their student. We can ask the Holy Spirit to do these things for us as we go about our lives. Here are some things we can ask the Spirit. We can ask the Spirit to teach us. As you read the Word, you start with that. Teach me, show me. As you sit under preaching, open my eyes and my mind to understand what is going on. We can ask, we can ask the Spirit to guide us into hard decisions. I'm, I'm sure some of us have some hard decisions in front of us right now. Are you talking to the Spirit? Are you asking for help? Guide me in the challenges and troubles of life. Are you, uh, you can ask the Spirit to comfort you. We can ask the Holy Spirit, comfort me. Right? One of the things we know about this life is that it's hard, that there's trials, there's tribulations, that there's struggles, that there's ups, there's ups and there's downs, that things aren't always gravy. Sometimes things are tough, but are you asking the Spirit, comfort me in the struggle? We can ask the Spirit to sanctify us and encourage us as we seek to grow and mature. And this idea here of growing and maturing is, is important. So I want to say a word to the young believer and the mature believer. Here's a couple words for you. I promise it's coming. For the young believer, you need to understand growth is slow. All right, I'm, I'm just let, I'm, I'm pausing because I want you to take it in. We live in a society where everything is quick, right? It doesn't come quick. We, we say, well, I don't want that. It's not coming in two days. I'm finding another site that's going to get it to me in two days. Growth in Christ doesn't work like that. It's slow, deep-rooted. And so what does that mean? You need to trust that the Spirit is working. Sometimes you feel like, I feel like I'm here and I should be over here. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Trust the process, like the Philadelphia 76ers, right? My basketball heads, a couple of you nod at me. You got to trust the process. The Spirit is working. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, because I struggle so much as a, as a Christian. I, I, my life is hard. I sometimes I just see sin so much, and I'm like, it's, it's tough, but I'm reminded, he who began a good work in you will bring it to what? All right. I love it when you talk to me. Don't leave me up here. Will bring it to completion. His promise, it's going to get done. Then to the mature believer, you need to understand, you need to show grace. To the young believer. Be patient with them. Sometimes we look at people in the church and we're like, ah, I wish you were over here. What's the matter with you? And that's the wrong attitude to have. Patience with the young believer. Pray for them. Don't complain about them. And then also the mature believer needs to be humble. You know why? Because the growth in you and me, not us. The Holy Spirit at work in us. So we give him thanks and we humbly say, if it wasn't for the Spirit, I wouldn't be here right now. 
I wouldn't be in a day, I would be in the exact same spot. So we show grace. And remember, we have not reached glory yet. Every single person still needs the Spirit. Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. Turn back to Acts chapter 5. Acts 5 says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife, with his wife's knowledge, and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, again, a little bit of context. Just before, there was all kinds of people who did generous acts, and they gave everything. And so you have this husband and, and, and wife, and here's what they do. And they laid at the apostles' feet. And Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after you sold it, wasn't it at your disposal? He's like, you could have, you could have done what you wanted with it. Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? Here it is. You have not lied to people but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. He shares, he shares in the divine essence and nature of God. Watch this on the screen. The Holy Spirit is eternal. I give you verses because I want you to do homework. I want you to do your own little Bible study. So there they are. The Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's everywhere. The Holy Spirit is omniscient and he is omnipotent. The Holy Spirit is powerful. And we see his power, the clearest, one of the clearest demonstration of his power is in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit brings about the incarnation. Our Savior, directly involved in the work. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus in his life and ministry. Do you know that Jesus is the truly Spirit-filled man? That's how he lives the life of victory. Because he walked by the Spirit every single day, obeyed the Spirit, submitted to the Spirit. In his human nature, the truly Spirit-filled man empowered Jesus. The Holy Spirit participated in the atonement. And the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And we have benefited from all of this work. See, the Holy Spirit is not sitting on the bench hoping to get in the game. He's in it. He's actively participating in redemptive history. The Holy Spirit has a major role in our salvation. He has a major role in restoring creation. And that's why the Holy Spirit is worthy of the same honor, glory, obedience, and praise that we give to the Father and the Son. Remember the big takeaway. Remember it? The Holy Spirit is worthy of our worship because of all that he, who he is, and all that he does. And we should give him praise. Okay? I was expecting for some praise. And we should give him praise. It's okay. Am I the only one going to clap up here? I know we're in masks. I know this is tough. But I want us to, to push through. 
We give him praise. It's okay to talk in church. It's okay to clap in church. It's okay to rock in church. Right? We're just getting ready for glory. So don't just sit there. He's worthy of all the same honor and glory and obedience. And then John 16. Jesus says this again. I tell you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. So Jesus here is talking to the disciples. And he's like, I'm, a, I'm about to go back to the Father. And he says, notice, it is to your benefit. Jesus is like, it's better that I go away. It is to your benefit. Why? Because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. This is why we love Jesus. Brother took care of everything. Died in our place. Lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And we've been credited with his righteousness. And then he sends the help we need to live the victorious life. You, he took care of everything. Right? When we, get to, when we see Jesus face to face, I'm cutting people off to hug him. I'm like, dog, you, got, you did me right. Everything. The Holy Spirit who Jesus sends is our helper. He is our helper. The help we need to live in victory. Now you're like, how does he help us? He helps us by giving us new life and spiritual gifts. New life, spiritual gifts. John 3. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you teach, you are a teacher who, uh, come, came, who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs unless God was with him. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter in his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, Unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I tell you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone born of the spirit. Here's what's going on here. We could not save ourselves. And so the Holy Spirit steps in and regenerates us. He gives us a new heart. And then what he does is he puts us into a kingdom that the Bible says cannot be shaken. We live in a world that is topsy-turvy, that is upside down, that is shaken almost every time some politician walks to a microphone. But as believers, we're citizens of another kingdom and the Bible says it cannot be shaken. And the Holy Spirit has placed us in that kingdom, safe and secure. And so we, we give him, again, praise. See, our life is changed. Your life is not the same. Do you know that? Sometimes just slow down and take a look and just review it. Am I who I used to be? No. The Holy Spirit has completely changed your life. Yes, we're in process, but we're changed. And because of the Spirit, we are going to glory. We are going to make it home. He gives us new life, but he also gives us 
gives. He just keeps on giving. 1 Corinthians 12, a manifestation of the Spirit has been given to each person for the common good. That's important. We don't get a spiritual gift to build our own little platforms. That's right. We get a gift for others, for the common good. We get a gift to build up the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gift of healing by by one spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another the different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, and to the one and the one in the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. He's sovereign in giving the gifts, which also tells us we shouldn't envy other people's spiritual gifts. And you're like, Marv, I don't know my spiritual gifts. How do I find out? Just when we can do some of the things as a church that really right now COVID's limiting, serving, you just jump in somewhere. And the the Lord will show you. But we've been given a gift, the text says, for the common good. And we use our gifts to serve the saints. We use our gifts to build God's kingdom. We use our gifts to bring glory to our King. So he helps us by giving us spiritual gifts and then by giving us unity among different ethnicities. Turn with me to Acts, uh, sorry, not Ephesians. Ephesians chapter two. Taking me a while to get there. Ephesians 2, verse 11 says, So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by those called the circumcision, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ and excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world, verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you were, who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. We've been brought together in Christ. That's where the unity is we have Jesus in common. And notice the text says that unity has replaced hostility. We're together now. And like Queen Latifah, unity is important to the Holy Spirit because he tells us to maintain it. Ephesians 4 says, walk worthy of the calling you have, been, you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We are to protect the unity that the Holy Spirit has created. See, our church is, sorry, our world is completely divided. 
And sometimes the way it, like, it's described in the media, it just seems like people who are, who are different from one another, they, that they can't vibe, that they can't get along. But the scripture says in the church, all of these different people come together and are able, when we are walking by the Spirit, to reflect this beautiful unity that the world looks and they're like, what is going on over there? And we say it's the Spirit's work in us. And we maintain unity by building relationships. We got to get to know each other. We maintain unity by embracing humility. Pride destroys unity. We maintain unity by extending forgiveness. The text says that we have to bear with one another. That means we're going to hurt one another. So we extend forgiveness. We maintain unity by ministering to one another. I, you guys know that it's not just up to me or the, the other elders, whoever is preaching, to do the, do, do the ministering. That there's this thing called the priesthood of believers that we minister to one another. That it's all of our responsibility. And that, that when we do that, it's maintaining unity. And we also maintain unity by practicing hospitality. Inviting people into our lives. This next one, the Holy Spirit helps us by giving us power to witness. By giving us power to witness. Turn Again, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, notice this, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Our culture wants us to keep our faith private. Jesus says our faith has to be public. Just, you know, they say, just, just keep that out of here. Don't talk about that. But Jesus says witnessing is a natural part of being a disciple. And notice again, he gives us the help we need to do it. Power from the Holy Spirit. Natural part. And here's what we witnessed about, Luke 24. And he said to them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be pro proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning, there it is again, at Jerusalem, you are witness to all these things. You're like, what do we tell people? We tell people forgiveness is available. We tell people that Jesus is real, that Jesus is alive, that he is reigning, that he's on his throne. We share that, believing that it is a life-changing message. And all of this has to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why it has to be done in the Spirit is because when we are filled with the Spirit, we speak with compassion, we speak with humility, we speak with sensitivity, so we don't just come off ignorant. And we, we speak with respect and grace, spirit-filled witnessing. And we need to keep a couple things in mind. Because I know that sharing our faith is not easy. It's intimidating. 
But keep these in mind. Some people will mock you. And I was, we're reading Acts uh, together uh, as, as, uh, as a small group, and I was reading it the other day, getting, getting ready for small group coming up. And the, the apostles get made fun of, they get beaten, they get locked in jail. And then they come out of jail, and do you know what they do? They rejoice, the text said. I'm looking down, I'm like, what? They rejoiced that they were shamefully treated. And they rejoiced because they're like, we've been identified that we are with Jesus. And, and I'm praying that, that that would be my attitude, that I wouldn't be so afraid that I, could, I couldn't take some mocking. Some people will mock. Some people want to hear more. Don't, don't discount that. Somebody will be like, oh, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. Nobody's ever told me anything like that. Can we talk about this further? And then some people will believe. That's what makes it worth it to take the step of faith. Some will believe. And when they believe, it's the work of the Spirit. Jesus says this, John 16, 8. And when he comes, he will convict. That word convict could be translated convince. The world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. See, what this text teaches us is Jesus expects us to witness. He expects us to take our faith public. But the soul winning is his job. That it's not on us to convince people. It's on us to just simply be a courageous and faithful witness of our Savior. And trust the Lord for what comes. Here's this next one. He gives us, he helps us by giving us aid in our prayer, in our prayer life. Romans 8, 26. And the same way the, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we don't know what to pray for as we should. There's a reality that we don't always pray the right way for ourselves. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. The Holy Spirit is pleading on our behalf. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The way stores make sure that you sanitize your hands before you come in. The Holy Spirit makes sure that we pray the right things to God. He is actively fixing our prayers. He's like, Marv, you're praying for this, but you actually need to pray for this. And that's why sometimes this is, helps our theology of prayer. That's why sometimes our, the answers we get in prayer are different than we're expecting. Because the Holy Spirit's praying for us in the right ways. Here's the other thing. This should give you peace in prayer. You're like, why should it give me peace? It should give you peace because your true heart is actually getting to the throne of grace. God is hearing exactly what you need. And that should, you, there's aid there. It should also give us confidence to pray. That this is working, that the Lord is hearing me. And then this, the Holy Spirit helps us by giving us the word and the ability to understand it. Turn to 2 Peter. 
That's towards the, the back. Second Peter 1, verses 20 to 21. says, Above all, you know this. No prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation. Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Every biblical author has a distinct personality and a distinct writing style. And what the scriptures teach us is that the Holy Spirit works through them so that what we read is the exact word of God. We're hearing the voice of God. And the way you're trusting that chair to hold you up right now, you can trust the word. Because it's, it's, God is active in it coming to us. And he's given us all that we need for life and godliness. And then, not only does he give it to us, but you can see there that he gives it to us and he helps us uh, able to understand it. Second, 1 Corinthians 2, for who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God. Why? So that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. So he gives us the word, then he gives us the ability to understand the word. And I want to say, there are some parts of the Bible that are tricky. Raise your hand if you agree. Tricky, right? I regularly look and I'm like, how am I going to teach this at some spots? And Peter even says about Paul's letters, he says some of the things Paul has written, they're, they're hard to understand. But notice what the Bible is teaching us, that even though that some parts are tricky, that if we go towards the word with an attitude asking for the Spirit's help, we can understand. Now you're like, why are you telling me this? Because I don't want us to be intimidated by the word. I want us to approach the word with humility. I want us to approach the word with an attitude in the heart that says, I can know what's going on as I ask the Spirit to help me who lives in us. And the Word will help us more than the culture. We got to understand that. The Word will help me more than the culture. The Word will transform our character. The Word will give us wisdom for life. The Nicene Creed Let's skip to that. It says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. All of church history agrees with what I've been trying to tell you. That the Holy Spirit is worthy of worship, our worship. Why? Because of who he is and all that he does for us. And he does these things every day, every day, with us to help us in the battle and the struggle of life. And I hope you agree that he's worthy of 
the worship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are present with us, ruling and reigning at all times. And God, we have sung that we don't know exactly what the future holds, but Father, we can have confidence because we know you know. And so, Lord, we pray that we would rest in your sovereign goodness. And Father, I pray also that we would rest in the reality that we are not here without help. That your son, Jesus Christ, lived for us, died in our place, and then sent the helper, the third member of the triune God, to help us, to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us. I pray, Father, that in the days ahead, we would be a church that is intently listening for the voice of the Spirit, the leading of the Spirit. And I pray that as the Spirit guides us, we would be living in more and more victory every day, more and more comfort, more and more security. Because we know, Father, that your Spirit is leading us home. Your Spirit is leading us every single moment. Lord, I want to pray for the heart that is struggling and battling. God, I lift them up to you right now. And I pray and ask that you would give them such a sense of comfort and a sense of belief that you have not left them by themselves. But your Holy Spirit is in them and guiding them. And Father, I pray for the person who has not been listening to the voice of your Spirit. Would you help us, God, to humble ourselves and listen and follow? To know that as we live by his guiding hand, Lord, that only good will come. Help us to trust you. Increase our faith. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.